This episode of Nintendo Week is brought to you by Mock Pizza. Delivery in three minutes, or there's a glitch, I guess. And welcome to Nintendo Week for the end of week of August 17th through August 23rd. I'm your host, Colin McIsaac, and as always, I'm joined by Alex Plant. Hooray! And Ben Limero. What's good, everyone? This past week, I polled you guys in our Facebook group about your favorite discussion segments here on the show, and your favorites seem to be Dreamland, where we pitch our hopes and dreams to Nintendo, and Glitz Pit, our fun podcasting debate game. So this week, that's what we're going to do, those two segments. Dreamland this week is going to be all about NX features, and the Glitz Pit, where you're going to talk about the best Zelda game ever, so far. So, you guys ready? Yeah. Let's go. All right. Uh, let's jump right into Dreamland. to Dreamland, a segment where we share our hopes and dreams. This week we'll be sharing our most wanted features for Nintendo's NX. We'll all probably share between one and three, so yeah, we'll see where the discussion goes and just dive right in. Alex, you want to start us off? Sure. So uh, one thing that I've been thinking about, actually, uh, with based on Nintendo's uh, stated strategy that they want to expand their market uh, dramatically and attract new people to Nintendo's IP and even offer uh, their games at flexible price points is, uh, I know most people will want to buy games like the Smash 4 port that's inevitably going to happen on an X, the traditional way where you get all the content uh, for 60 bucks and and you're you're all set. But, you know, if they're attracting all these uh, casual gamers and people who've been sort of away from Nintendo for a while and maybe some mobile gamers as well, um, those people might be more uh, interested in trying out Smash Brothers if they have another way to try out the game besides paying $60. And so I thought, well, maybe they could also offer sort of a glorified demo of the game uh, and sort of release it as kind of a free-to-start model. Uh, it would be different than a demo, though, because in a demo, it's this sort of isolated, sandboxed version of the game that doesn't have a lot of content, and you just get to kind of trial everything. But I think the way that this uh, model could be different on an X is that they could actually have it be sort of the full version of the game, but not you don't necessarily have access to all the content. And what I mean by that is you'll be able to play online uh, with all your friends who have the full version of the game, um, but you just won't have all the characters or all the stages. Uh, maybe you'll start with the the original eight, and then Mega Man and uh, and a couple other choice fighters. Sonic, probably. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. So was was your idea mostly for for Smash Bros, or did you have sort of like free Smash to play Bros. model ideas for for other franchises? Mario Kart two maybe. Mario yeah, Kart Mario would be Kart another good, good one. one. Um, mostly, I think those those big sort of multiplayer franchises, where even if you sort of have just a slice of the content, you'll be able to play online with your friends. You'll be able to kind of get a taste of what the game has to offer. Offer. Uh, and if you want more, you can pay for more. Uh, either pay for the full game. Uh, maybe they, you know, sell a cup or a set of cups in Mario Kart or a set of characters in Smash. Mm-hmm. Maybe not everyone has to pay $60 to play Smash, but they don't get all the content unless they do. Sure. Um, and since... Uh, Smash already has a pretty solid fan base, as does Mario Kart, but this would sort of be a business model for those new people who haven't really tried out these franchises before and might be getting into Nintendo for the first time. I see. So, like, the longtime fans can pay the $60 premium and get basically everything right out the gate, but then new fans uh, or people who just are interested in trying it out um, might be doing something like, say, pay $5 and you get, you know, all of the Zelda characters at once. Something like that, yeah. 
I see. But everyone would have the same connectivity in that, like, when you buy DLC in Smash 4 on Wii U, and let's say I don't have Bayonetta on my system, uh, but my friend does, and I we play online and he's playing as Bayonetta, I can still play against him because my game has the Bayonetta data, but I just don't have access to it. You mean something like right. that? Right. It's like you, okay. you, you technically have the full game, but you haven't paid for all the content that's in it. Okay, so you just can't, like, actually play with all the content. You... So it's sort of like, uh, the way I'm kind of thinking of it is like as a more of modern version of of traditional demos where but right but sort of embedded in these new business models where they can sell the game uh in in a free-to-start model yeah i really like that idea because you know it combines it com- it combines the idea of a demo with yeah like you said these more modern pay models that uh really you know that, that when stuff like microtransactions and free-to-start games get talked about you know there's a lot of shady stuff that goes on there but by fusing them with the idea of a demo, that could be really interesting. That could sort of solve the problems with individual game demos and free-to-play models at the same time. Yeah, um, and I think this would be an especially good model for for any Wii U ports that they're thinking of doing because those games are already content complete. Um, we've seen that the DLC business model for Mario Kart was really popular, so that would be probably something that you could do for pretty much any of the content in Mario Kart. Um, the Smash DLC was pretty popular. I know we all complained about the pricing and how much they were nickeling and diming you, but I'm yes. sure that now that the game is finished, uh, they can think of something that's more uh, acceptable. Right. Uh, especially if the goal is really to get people to pay up to $60 and get the same experience that other people are getting. Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, ben, sort of the, the, the boilerplate is you want NVIDIA to go all in, everything they're doing, uh, and work with Nintendo, work with Nintendo's IP, uh, team up with Nintendo and Steam, and make NX blow the competition out of the water that way. Yeah, basically. Cool, okay. Yeah, so uh, as is my custom, mine is sort of like several ideas strung together under one common umbrella or, or sort of theme. So, uh, word on the street, of course, from very reliable sources, as as we've discussed on the podcast before, is that uh, Nintendo's NX will be powered by the NVIDIA Tegra X1. And NVIDIA, over the past few years, has been sort of dabbling and trying to sort of get their foot in uh, the gaming market and also sort of the... uh, I don't know what phrase you want to use here, but the like devices that just hook up to your TV and make it a streaming hub, essentially. Uh-huh. So they had the NVIDIA Shield, the NVIDIA Shield TV, which actually uses the same hardware that NX is rumored to have. And that allows you to stream 4K things on your TV. Like you can watch you know, Netflix and Hulu in 4K and things like that. And it also uh, grants you access to the Android market, so you can play Android games on your TV. Um and NVIDIA was also, they've, they've also put out some sort of uh, on-the-go gaming devices where you can stream. They have a, the NVIDIA Shield tablet and the NVIDIA Shield portable. But neither one of those really took off. Uh, none of the sort of NVIDIA Shield products have really caught on at all. And they recently, according to the rumor mill, uh, canceled the NVIDIA Shield tablet too. So it kind of looks like NVIDIA doesn't really know what they're doing with with these various different gaming and streaming products they're working on. And so my dream idea is that they basically go all in on NX, that they you know take all these different ideas they've been dabbling with sort of unsuccessfully, and they pin it 
onto, you know, uh, IP that people love, like Mario and stuff like that. You, you know, you buy the Nintendo NX for your Nintendo games, and then here's all the ways that NVIDIA can sort of incorporate their ideas. You can have it be so that NX can hook up to your TV and be that sort of 4K streaming hub where you can watch Hulu and Netflix on it in high quality, and also you can play Android games on your TV, so you can take uh, your Nintendo games at home or on the go, and you can also take your cell phone games at home or on the go. And I think the really big benefit this could be, uh, this could have, is if you take the uh, Nvidia Shield portable idea and make it so that Nintendo NX can sync up to your PC and stream Steam games from Ooh. your PC to the uh, the portable element of the NX. So your your uh, your computer does all the heavy lifting, and then it just streams it to your portable device, and voila! Uh, like I'm not I'm not thinking you can like travel across the country and you know keep playing your games on the go or whatever. But if you can make it a little better than like the Wii U gamepad and have it be so that I can be anywhere in my house playing my Steam games on a yeah. handheld, that'd be fantastic. And then you just take it over to the little. Uh, the portal thing that we think is going to come with NX, plug it in, and now you're streaming from your PC to your living room TV. You can play your Steam games there as well. So yeah, NX would basically be this just sort of awesome gaming slash streaming hub that lets you play Nintendo at home or on the go, lets you play uh, cell phone games at home or on the go, and lets you stream your Steam games around the house. Okay, that's that is a big dream. Uh, I, yeah, <laughs> I agree. Um, it's funny though because we at first we sort of heard that they were going for an Android-like OS, and it'd mm-hmm. be funny if they what actually ends up happening is they uh, have connectivity with Steam instead. I don't think anyone will be expecting that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one of mine that I want and that I don't think is going to stick around, but I, I want it to. Dreamland is the TV remote feature from the Wii U gamepad. Mm. That has been so useful in starting up the Wii U, and yeah, even the quick start menu takes feels like 20 minutes to get a game going, but uh, the TV remote at least does a great job just combining the experience of getting the whole entertainment system set up. Um, So I really hope that they keep that with NX. Uh, So that's not really related to any other of the things that I have to say. The rest are kind of similar. Um, One is that I hope the NX imports all your digital content from 3DS and Wii U. That's compatible with NX, that is, you know. Um, But I'm sure that when we see NX launch, we're going to have stuff like Pokemon on the Virtual Console we're going to have a lot of the virtual console library that they've already built up with Wii and Wii U, um, or sorry, 3DS and Wii U. And uh, so when those games come out, I really hope that the NX can port over your data, uh, not just the licenses you own to play the games, but the save data. Yeah. So I can, so for example, keep playing my Pokemon Yellow version on NX that I've been working on in 3DS. I can keep playing my save file of Earthbound from Wii U on NX. That would go a long way in smoothing over the process for Nintendo fans, uh, helping us get used to the new console generation. Uh, I could totally see that being on my Nintendo feature that they just announce it around the time NX comes out and then sort of let you push your your saves forward that way. At this point, I'll be disappointed if it's not. Yeah. Uh, It's interesting that you say a My Nintendo feature, because besides the common criticism we give that My Nintendo just sucks right now, (laughs) I'll be a little (laughs) bit more specific and helpful for them. I hope that the Nintendo Network IDs uh, will actually start including cloud backups of your save files. And this kind of relates to what I was talking about uh, with these virtual console games and stuff. But, you know, if you, like, lose your NX or it gets stolen or it gets damaged somehow... Uh, your games losing all their data is a huge problem, especially with digital content. So I really hope that you're able to back up your save files in the cloud on your 
Nintendo Network ID, just like you can on PlayStation, just like you can on Xbox, so that if something, God forbid, happens to your system, you don't lose all the data that comes with it. That's a huge problem that Nintendo's had in the past. They are so far behind, and it's such an awful thing to deal with from a user experience side. So that's something that I really hope that uh, they, they address. And kind of alongside both of those things is that I hope that they port over basically the entire Wii U library of games to NX, because it's a shame to see all those, you know, attached to a console with only 12 million sales. Yeah. Well, they do have that patent for the, the supplemental computing devices, so it's possible that one of those might just be a bolt-on uh, Wii U compatibility yeah, but I mean, we saw how badly things like the 32X and the Sega, you know, yeah. CD and everything did. <laughs> no, no, add-ons are always a good idea. If they do that, that would just be a bad idea. That wouldn't be an NX feature. That would be a hardware attachment, and that kind of undermines the point. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. I feel like they'll port most of the popular ones anyway, and this would just be for leftovers. Mm-hmm. Um, you were talking about accounts, though. Um, one thing that I'd like to see, especially if NX really is sort of a, a portable first sort of system, is family accounts. Yeah. Uh, because I get why they wouldn't want you to have uh, your same Nintendo Network ID or something on a bunch of different devices, but let's say me and my wife both want to have our own Nintendo Network ID, but we also want to share a library because we're, you know, together. Um, It'd be nice to have a way to do that uh, by having both our accounts under the same family account. Yeah, agreed. Um, Our our video editor, Eric, uh, suggested these ones to me. Shout um, out to Eric. And that is that they use an SD card for internal or external storage, I suppose. Um, and I super agree with that um, because, well, first of all, I think it's going to happen because if it's an iteration mm-hmm. on their portable devices, uh, you know, I think it's going to be using a similar kind of uh, structure to the 3DS in that it uses the SD cards for expandable and upgradable storage. Um, I wonder, though, because uh, SD cards are kind of, I wouldn't say high latency, but uh, you would certainly need a high a very fast loading SD card to play games off of your SD card, uh, like HD quality games. Uh, so yeah, I, that's I kinda true. Wonder, I kind of wonder how that would shake out. I want, uh, maybe they have a solution for that. I don't know. Hopefully, yeah. Because um, the idea is basically easily upgradable storage. Um, because first of all, the external hard drive situation with Wii U is garbage. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. on that enough. <laughs> I've been I've been pretty happy with 3ds though. 3ds has been good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if they can do that on the NX, um, it's a hassle to switch around SD cards and stuff. That's a real pain in the butt. But um, you know, uh, if they can work something out from the software side that facilitates that better, then that would be great. Um, and the other one is just virtual console games looking better because uh, on the Wii U they just look like garbage they're dark and there really aren't a lot of like options for like the emulation I mean you know you you can't get scan lines or like the old NTSC sort of TV CRT TV filter um, that even the NES like classic edition is going to start doing so hopefully that they have a lot better and brighter emulation options for this new system totally agree. Colin's hoping for a brighter future yeah Panic should do what Wii U don't yeah exactly <laughs> Uh, is, is that it? Should we move on to the glitz pit? I think we're ready to duke it out. I have I have one more. Okay. It's kind of minor. We won't say anything about no, it. No, really, no. We, but... we've, we've passed that point. <laughs> Shut up. Um, <laughs> I would love for Nintendo to put gyroscopes in all of their controllers this time because while I love the Pro Controller a lot, uh, it would probably be the controller I'd use to pr- play Breath of the Wild on Wii U. Not that I 
won't play it on NX most of the time anyway. But uh, I would I would definitely be the controller I'd use to play Breath of the Wild on Wii U if it had gyroscope because the gyro aiming controls are just awesome and they're not there on the Pro Controller. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's take it to the Glitz Pit. Here we are at the Glitz Pit, where we pit the three of us against each other in a quest to see who can earn the most star points. It's a fun little podcasting game segment where you decide the winner, and this week we're duking it out over the world's greatest Zelda game. So we've got ten minutes on the clock, and at the end we'll go around and see how many star points out of ten that we think each person deserves, but afterwards it's up to you guys to decide the winner. We'll be launching a Twitter poll where each vote counts as a star point, and whoever's got the most by the time the poll closes will be officially declared the reigning champion of the Glitz Pit. Last time, Ben won with 73 star points. That's right. Making him the defending champion. So all three of us are now competing to be the first champion with two victories under the belt. Are you ready to rock? Having just replayed uh, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door a few weeks ago, I am emphatically ready to rock. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. And go. All right. So I'm going to be super predictable and pick Ocarina of Time. Um... The reason why I like Ocarina of Time best is because uh, it sort of built on all the world building that had been done in the games prior to it uh, and added things like the races, uh, different locations that we hadn't seen before, uh, old locations in uh, new detail like the desert and like uh, Zora's Domain and places like that. But for me, it's sort of the definitive version of Hyrule where they've uh, sort of nailed every single region. Uh, they're beautifully presented. The, it has some of the most iconic uh, locations in the franchise paired with the most iconic musical tracks for those locations. Um, at the same time, it's a very like lean game. There's no fat that you get from some of the later Zelda games. Um, some of the early dungeons are simple, but the later dungeons are really uh, smart and fun. And uh, the water temple, everyone loves or hates the water temple, which just goes to show how memorable a game Ocarina of Time is. Um, the artwork's also uh, top-notch. Uh, the story is simple, but at the same time has a lot of uh, layers that the past Zelda games didn't have. Uh, the characters are memorable. Uh, just a beautiful, beautiful game, and I don't think Nintendo's ever made such a pure Zelda game since. All right, time for your opening statements, Ben. So, Zelda is a series that I feel is most defined by four key elements, exploration, combat, puzzle solving, and story, and A Link to the Past balances all of those elements perfectly. It digs into the series lore, giving you the origins of Ganon and showing you the Sacred Realm, uh, and it keeps you just hooked and interested all the way through. And it does that without being intrusive to gameplay at all. Your exploration isn't really limited, you have tons of freedom. Uh, After the first three dungeons, you can play the rest of them in any order, and there's just tons of fun and interesting stuff to do on the overworld. It's a joy to explore it, and you actually have two overworlds to explore because of the dark world. The combat is challenging, but it's not overwhelming, and it's not just obnoxiously hard as compensation for bad AI, and there's plenty of fun items and weapons in the game. And it's also the first game to really introduce puzzle solving, but it doesn't over-rely on it like the DS games, and the dark world sort of blends exploration and puzzle solving together. So just overall, it's the the best and most well-rounded game in the franchise and a shining example of what makes Zelda great. Awesome. Okay, uh, so my opening statements follow. Ben, you're not going to like this. I am voting for Ocarina of Time. And the reason I think so, it deviates quite a bit from Alex's, although we have some similar points, so um, I I was actually surprised there. Uh, I think that Ocarina of Time is essentially the most timeless Zelda game there is. Uh, No no pun really intended there. Um, So first of all, it successfully transitioned Zelda to 3D, which is hard as f*** to do with any 2D game ever. It not only did it with incredible skill and success, but, you know, I, I think the series is better for it. 
And at the same time, it has all the most iconic moments in this series. It, you know, it's got the nightmare sequence in the beginning, it's got the scene where you meet Zelda in the courtyard, it's got fighting Dark Link in the water temple there. Um, and so, you know, between all these things, I think that it really, it weaves the story it tells into the game rather than telling that story through dialogue or through cutscenes. Um, and I think a game should be about playing the game. So whereas something like Majora's Mask explores its themes more fully, Ocarina of Time does so better within the context of a game rather than dialogue. And aside from just being an amazing game in its own right, it established a lore that became the groundwork for the Zelda series. Uh, I, th I agree with you, Alex. I think that it's the definitive version of Hyrule. Uh, and I think that that lore has become the defining fantasy world, not just for Zelda, but for all of gaming. You know, you talk to someone who thinks of a fantasy game and they think of the green elf boy. So yeah, the footprint that Ocarina of Time left on the series, the industry, and the world is one that no Zelda game has surpassed. And that's my opening statement, so... Are we in free-for-all time now? We are now open to counterpoints, and I have a feeling Ben would like to go first. I would like to point out that in Ocarina of Time, all of Hyrule's water travels through King Zora's <coughs> and or... <coughs> and you swim in that... <coughs> the whole game, you're drinking it up. Okay, can we I, not I, curse so much? This is hard on me in editing. <laughs> Sorry. You gotta stop. <laughs> hey, that happens in A Link to the Past also. None of us picked games where the waters of Hyrule don't go through King Zora. <laughs> We're all screwed. Um, so I will say, uh, I, Colin, I believe you mentioned it, it does a good job of transitioning Zelda into 3D and that it feels mm -hmm. like uh, timeless. And I don't completely agree with that. It does as good of a job as you probably possibly could have in 1998. But I go back, I recently went back and replayed Ocarina, and it felt clunky and dated because there's really only so much you can do with the N64's hardware. Whereas with A Link to the Past, on Super Nintendo, I feel that's way more timeless just because they didn't try to overextend themselves with what they had to work with. And the game, it doesn't really feel clunky or dated. It feels like something, you know, you could go buy as a new, like, sort of uh, indie game or something that's high quality but kind of low budget kind of thing. Whereas Ocarina of Time feels a little bit clunky and dated going back to it. So what you're saying is that is that Link to the Past, because it doesn't age as quickly, it's a better Zelda game for it. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things that makes it, makes okay. it better, is that it hasn't suffered as much Sort of, it's it's more timeless. It hasn't suffered as much okay. aging. See, I don't think that that's an issue because I think that what a game achieves when it comes out is just as important as what a game you know feels like to play I'm years down the line. Actually, I'm actually going to have to disagree with Ben that A Link to the Past has aged better because having played A Link Between Worlds, which is basically the sort of modern handheld translation of A Link to the Past and its artwork and its graphical style and its sort of uh, universe, the universe there feels very much like an artifact of the 90s to me uh for everything from the way the enemies are are designed and presented uh like for example the stalfos they're just like these generic looking skeletons with crack the the most distinctive element they have is their cracked skulls they just don't seem menacing they don't seem like enemies they seem like cartoon characters i'm curious what you and, mean by the the designs seem very 90s because like when i look at that i don't get 90s only 90s vibe. kids would get it colin <laughs> i mean like when i think of 90s i think of like aesthetics like fresh prince and even splatoon i think does an amazing job well, looking like a 90s feeling sounding like a 90s game i don't see the same sorts of aesthetic design choices i'm, I'm thinking mostly of like 90s fantasy cartoons where there's this very, oh, okay like the uh, legend of zelda cartoon like the legend of zelda cartoon 80s, but, yeah. um 
And which is which is funny that you bring that up because I think the original Zelda games enemy artwork is very like grounded, but when you mm-hmm. compare it to the TV show, the, the artwork seems a lot more cartoony and a lot. Le- I mean, I'm sure that has to do with the audience that they're selling it to. But um, okay. at the same time, you can you can sort of feel a difference between the original game and then a link to the past. So uh, I I also think that Ocarina of Time's story borrows so heavily from A Link to the Past that it's kind of hard for me to to just heap praise on it. Like, it did expand on it in a lot of interesting ways, and like you said, introduce new characters. The, but the whole, groundwork whole, whole, was the already story. laid. I feel more the like it expanded the... on an existing good story rather than sort of creating this new story that it's would be the foundation the It's not the same story at all. What's, what's the story that is the same? The all the all the about Ganon's origins and the Seal War and the sages and things like that. It's it's just a that's all backstory to a link to the past that's only told through the manual. That is not in the game at all. It's told no. It's told through parts of the game as well. At the very beginning, it's told in the intro. It scratches the surface. I think though that Ocarina of Time, what it does with its characters, what it does with Link's whole story arc, um, is 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 really actually pretty memorable more memorable than i think even a link to the past story is link to the past the main the main memorable part of a link to the past is its backstory i don't feel like its plot is particularly memorable yeah i mean i I think that what ben you're getting at is that ocarina of times like very basic story structure that you've got like the three dungeons at the beginning you fight ganon and you know you've got like the seven people to rescue collect collect three shiny stones pull the sword tragedy happens rescue seven maidens defeat right but you know I, i don't think that that's necessarily borrowing the story so much as it is borrowing just the the, the plot device. Well, yeah, it, it borrows the it borrows the structure extremely heavily, and then the story of Ocarina of Time is based on the backstory. Yeah, but of the a story the that surrounds it is so dramatically different, and I think so dramatically better. I mean, I'd say most Zelda games kind of have the same structure. You go yeah, find exactly. some plot MacGuffins, you go fight Ganon. Uh, the plot MacGuffins sometimes resemble each other and sometimes don't it's just that's just a tradition of the series is you you go find magical artifacts right well a link to the past sort of started that tradition it was the the OG. yeah but if it doesn't do it the best then how can you call it the best zelda game i wouldn't say that it doesn't do it the best necessarily ocarina of time was able to do more visually interesting things with it but it didn't feel as fresh i would say okay okay so that's about originality then i think i'd say i'd say the way ocarina of time makes it fresh is in a link to the past you have these these maidens so that are descended from the seven sages but there really is nothing to them they just appear mm-hmm. in a crystal they just the have end, different colors give you hair. a little blurb from the story and that's their role in the game uh, and then they help you get into ganon's tower in ocarina of time they do all that as well but they also have their own characters they have their own roles in this universe besides just being sages uh, most of them are really important people in their tribes and sort of link you into the world and not just into the quest to defeat ganon yeah. Well, on that note, the timer has officially gone off. Uh, although I silenced it for the sake of editing. Um, <laughs> so that was a pretty good one. I think we should go around and award our star points. So Alex up first. Ben, how much? How many star points do you think he should get? Uh, I'm gonna go with. Uh... I'll, I'll say eight. Ocarina's a great game. I can't really argue too strongly against it being, you know, one of the best, if not the best Zelda games, and I thought he presented pretty good arguments. Yeah, I'm you know, totally seconded. Eight, eight it is. I uh, think he provided great arguments, and yeah. Uh, so, Ben, Alex, what do we think Ben deserves? Um, 
I'm going to go with seven, and it's really mostly rooted in what I was saying about the style of A Link to the Past feeling not quite like the definitive direction for Zelda, feeling very much like this one-off Super Nintendo 90s-y sort of uh, incarnation of Zelda, and I felt it very much when I was playing A Link Between Worlds and going back to that style. Okay, uh, I was actually going to say seven as well. Um, I think that, I mean, first of all, I don't think that any of us disagree that any of these games aren't amazing. Uh, so, you know, there's, there's no real problem in anyone's argument here to pick apart. So, I, you know, I think that that, you know, Ben, you did a good job supporting it. Um, and I agree with just about everything you said. Um, the only thing I'd say is that uh, I think some of the, the, the roots of the points you were trying to make uh, hadn't quite fully developed themselves as you were trying to articulate them. Um, stuff about, like, the originality of a game uh, being what makes it, you know, a, a better game, quote, or, you know, for its time. A lot of those points, I think, uh, revealed themselves more so through the examples you were bringing rather than the points you were actually stating. So, Seven, good job. What, what? Um, and me, what do you guys think? Um... I'm going to go with six, but I think that's largely because I stole all the good points from you. Um, <laughs> Fair I, enough. <laughs> one thing that I noticed was you had said something about Ocarina of Time having all the iconic moments from Zelda, and those were no, 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 I just the said... words. I know that's probably not what you meant, okay, but those yeah, are the words that you used. Sure, and yeah. some of the moments that you chose were not moments that I would have I would have thrown up as the, the most memorable moments from Zelda, so that sort of gave me some pause. Okay. Uh, plus, like, like I said, I, I was first, so... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I had to feel filter out the ones that you had already stated. So. Yeah. Um, okay, Ben? Yeah, I, I pretty much agree with Alex's assessment. He he was able to snag some of the more compelling uh-huh. points early, so <laughs> I'm going to go with a six as well. Okay, um, I will I will say, though, I really appreciated uh, how you focused on the point that uh, Ocarina of Time is a game first, and even though it's telling a story more so than the past Zelda games. Yeah, see, that's part of what I appreciate so much about it, because people talk about the stories in, like, other Zelda games, and, you know, you look at, like, Skyward Sword has a really big, long story arc, and but, like, I don't want to watch all these cutscenes. I don't want to read all this dialogue. I want to play a Zelda game, and Ocarina of Time actually tells its story, I feel like, through the mechanics and scenarios that you're playing through rather than what it's presenting to you visually. Yeah. Um, anyway, listeners, it is now your turn to decide the winner, so head on over to Twitter at TheGamnesia to cast your vote. That marks the end of the glitch bit, and therefore the end of the episode. So, everybody, thank you all so much for listening. This is the end of Nintendo Week for today. If you like this podcast, you can subscribe to us on iTunes or subscribe to us here on YouTube at Gamnesia TV for bite-sized discussions from the show. And please head to iTunes to leave us a review. We're really working hard to make this show great for you guys, so those iTunes reviews really mean a lot, and they also help a lot of listeners discover the show. So if you haven't done that, please do. It's greatly appreciated. Um, and if you have feedback for Nintendo Week, please send it to Colin at Gamnesia.com. Or you can find me on Twitter at Colin McIsaac. That's C-O-L-I-N at G-A-M-N-E-S-I-A or at C-O-L-I-N-M-C-I-S-A-A-C. And remember to send in your questions about Nintendo, about our show. We love engaging with you guys, and we read them and talk about them here on the show, so that's a great way to get involved. Again, that's Colin at Gamnesia.com and at Colin McIsaac. Alex, where can they find you? You can also find me on Twitter at Legend of Lex. And Ben, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter at Aramgard, E-R-I-M-G-A-R-D. Had to pause and think about how to spell that. <laughs> um, and I, I think we're going to be streaming some more uh, AM2R on Thursday at 7.30 EST. Not 100% sure on that, but I'll probably be there for that as well. Cool. On the Gamnesia Twitch. Cool, cool. 
If you can't wait till next week for more of our stuff, you can head to Gamnesia.com to see more gaming news as it happens. We've got Sony, Microsoft, Indie, you name it, and even Nintendo news that we didn't have the time to discuss on this week's show. And you can join the Facebook group Nintendo Week Fun Club to chat with us and other listeners about all things Nintendo. On our way out, please enjoy Zelda's Lament, a beautiful arrangement of Zelda music throughout the years. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great week.